Chapter 13 of Comic History of England. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Rainer, in honor of Jim's university graduation. Comic History of England by Bill Nye. Chapter 13. Further disagreements recorded. Illustrating the amiability of the Jew and the perversity of the Scot. In 1278, the Jews, to the number of 280, were hanged for having in their possession clipped coins. Shortly afterwards, all the Jews in England were imprisoned. Whenever times were hard, the Jews were imprisoned, and on one job, lot alone, 12,000 pounds were realized in ransom. And still, the Jews are not yet considered as among the redeemed. In 1290, they were all banished from the kingdom and their property seized by the crown. This seizure of real estate turned the attention of the Jews to the use of diamonds as an investment. For 400 years the Jews were not permitted to return to England. Scotch wars were kept up during the rest of Edward's reign, but in 1291, with great reluctance, Scotland submitted, and Balliol, whose trouble with Bruce had been settled in favour of the former, was placed upon the throne. But the king was overbearing to Balliol, insomuch as the Scotch joined with the Normans in a war with England, which resulted, in 1293, in the destruction of the Norman navy. Philip then subpoenaed Edward, as Duke of Guienne, to show cause why he should not pay damages for the loss of the navy, which could not be replaced for less than twenty pounds, and finally, wheeled Edward out of the duchy. Philip maintained a secret understanding with Balliol, however, and Edward called a parliament, founded upon the great principle that what concerns all should be approved by all. This was in 1295, and on this declaration, so far as successful government is concerned, hang all the law and the prophets. The following year, Edward marched into Scotland, where he captured Balliol and sent him to France, where he died, in boundless obscurity, in 1297. Balliol was succeeded by the brave William Wallace, who won a great battle at Stirling, but was afterwards defeated entirely at Falkirk, and in 1305 was executed in London by request. But the Scotch called to their aid Robert Bruce, the grandson of Balliol's competitor, and he was solemnly crowned at the Abbey of Scone. During a successful campaign against these people Edward fell sick, and died in 1307. He left orders for the Scottish war to be continued, till that restless and courageous people were subdued. Edward was called the English Justinian, yet those acts for which he is most famous were reluctantly done because of the demands made by a determined people. During his reign, gunpowder was discovered by Roger Bacon, whereby Hugh Fox was made possible. Without him, England would still be a slumbering fog bank upon the shores of time. Young Edward was not much of a monarch. He forgot to fight the Scots, and soon Robert Bruce had won back the fortresses taken by the English, and Edward II, under the influence of an attractive triveller named Gaveston, dawdled away his days and frittered away his nights. Finally the nobles, who disliked Gaveston, captured him and put him in Warwick Castle, 
and in 1312 the royal favorite was horrified to find near him a large pool of blood, and on a further search discovered his own head lying in the gutter of the court. Turning sick at the gory sight, he buried his face in his handkerchief and expired. The nobles were forgiven afterwards by the king, who now turned his attention to the victorious Scots. Stirling Castle and the fortress of Berwick alone remained to the English, and Robert Bruce was besieging the latter. The English, numbering 100,000, at Bannockburn fought against 30,000 Scots. Bruce surprised the cavalry with deep pits, and before the English could recover from this, an approaching reinforcement for the Scotch was seen coming over the hill. This consisted of soups with banners and bagpipes, and though they were really teamsters in disguise, their hostile appearance and the depressing music of the bagpipes so shocked the English that they did not stop running until they reached Berwick. The king came around to Berwick from Dunbar by steamer, thus saving his life and obtaining much-needed rest on board the boat. Footnote. Doubtless this is an error, so far as the steamer is concerned. But the statement can do no harm, and the historian cannot be positive in matters of this kind at all times, for the strain upon his memory is too great. The critic, too, should not be forgotten in a work of this kind. He must do something to support his family, or he will become disliked. Author and a footnote Edward found himself now on the verge of open war with Ireland and Wales, and the population of the Isle of Wight, and another person, whose name is not given, threatened to declare war. The English nobles, too, were insubordinate, and the king, who had fallen under the influence of a man named Spencer and his father, was required by the best society, heeded by Lancaster, to exile both of these wicked advisers. Afterwards, the king attacked Lancaster with his army, and, having captured him, had him executed in 1322. The Spencers now returned, and the queen began to cut up strangely and create talk. She formed the acquaintance of Roger Mortimer, who consented to act as her paramour. They organized a scheme to throw off the Spencers and dethrone Edward the Sickless, her husband, in 1325. Anyone who has tried to be king even for a few weeks under the above circumstances must agree with the historian that it is no moonlight frolic. Edward fled to Wales, but in 1326 was requested to come home and remain in jail there, instead of causing a scandal by staying away and spending his money in Wales. He was confined in Kenilworth Castle, while his son was ostensibly king though his wife at Mortimer really managed the kingdom, and behaved in a scandalous way, Mortimer wearing the king's clothes, shaving with his razor, and winding the clock every night as though he owned the place. Footnote. The clock may safely be omitted from the above account, as later information would indicate that this may be an error, though there is no doubt that Mortimer at this time wore out two suits of the king's pyjamas. Author. End of footnote. This was in 1327. In September, the poor king was put to death, 
but corresponded with mortimer in a painful and sickening manner after having been most inhumanely treated in berkeley castle whither he had been removed thus ends the sad history of a monarch who might have succeeded in a minor position on a hen farm but who made a beastly fluke in the king business the assurance of mortimer in treating the king as he did is a blot upon the fair page of history in high life let us turn over a new leaf end of chapter thirteen